read a poet in Johannesburg. Gareth Trent is our victim for the day. <laughs> Gareth, how are you doing this day? <laughs> I'm very, very well in you, Janine. Thank you so, so much uh, for having me today. Oh, uh, no, I'm doing fine and fabulous. Thank you very much. But people know me. They've got to get to know you. All we know so far is you can sing. But if you had to introduce yourself to everyone, like someone who's never met you before, who are you at home with no shoes where you've got to impress no one you can really relax? Personality-wise, what do you do for a living, that kind of stuff? Okay, awesome. Uh, at home with no shoes on, very chilled, very relaxed. Um, I'm not really, you know, super social. Um, so kind of just like to, to hang around and, and um, spend time with the family. I have uh, a beautiful wife, Jackie, and uh, two amazing children, um, Daniel and Zoe. And, yeah, we spend our weekends kind of indoors and, and well, at the house, should I say, just relaxing and enjoying um, the time together. Um, from a, a work perspective, um, I actually hold a full-time job, so I'm not a full-time musician, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, yeah, I uh, work as a, a merchandise uh, manager at the JD Group, which is a, a furniture and uh, home electronics and appliances company. Um, I love what I do, so this satisfies an itch in my life, if I can put it that way, an intellectual itch. Um, and then, yeah, I love the Lord and enjoy worshipping Him with music. Let's get into this testimony of yours. I mean, you just have one sentence here in your biography that just says, I was delivered from addiction. Just like that. But I know there's a story behind <laughs> this. What happened? Yeah, so, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, like I, I guess a lot of people. And uh, my dad was a pastor. And, you know, in my early years in, in my life, I you know, wanted to serve the Lord as a young child. But, you know, as you become a teenager, I think you rebel. And, and I ran away for a, a very long time and, and got involved in, you know, mostly, you know, like uh, pornography and, and sexual sin and things like that. And uh, it wasn't just, you know, like a, a normal, I would say a normal teenage phase. You know, it was really something that um, that I struggled with for a long time. And um just incredibly and miraculously um, on the 10th of February. It's a date that I distinctly remember and I always will. Um, I woke up one morning, the Lord said to me, go and you know, fetch a specific file that we were doing like a, a little program or series in church. And the Lord said to me, go fetch, go fetch your file. And uh, it was four o'clock in the morning. I went and, and I started reading and I just began to weep. And uh, the Lord just, just, started dealing with me and, and convicting me, but, but not in a way that, that brings condemnation, just showering me with his love and, and, and just his acceptance. And, and from that moment, I was absolutely and completely delivered. Um, I used to, you know, swear like a trooper in, in my good old days. And, and yeah, it really just wasn't a pleasant picture. And just overnight, you know, the Lord just transformed my heart and, you know, when, when he says he transforms you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son, that's what happened to me uh, on that day. You know, and from, from that day onwards, I've just lived in gratitude and thankfulness uh, to him. And, and I want to live my life in a way that pleases and, and, and honors him in everything that I do. Because it sort of proves the story at the end of the day. Because when you're in something and you're caught in something that you condemn yourself for, you know, something that you can't stand about yourself and it's there and it hounds you, haunts you every single day. It's like you expect God to feel that way about you as well, that he's as disgusted with you, not necessarily with a sin, 
that he's so disgusted with you. It, it, it's always personal, this thing that haunts you, isn't it? Yeah. And then when God comes and he actually frees you, but he does it in such an authentically tender and convincing way that it changes your whole life. No one will ever be able to tell you that Jesus isn't real. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's in that moment that, that you realize, and like you say, you try over and over again. And, uh, you know, having grown up, you know, in a Christian home, you're almost in that kind of thing. You know, you, you know, you need to repent and you know what you're doing is not right. And, and you're trying to struggle and you're doing this all in your own strength and, 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 you know, but when you get that revelation of the, the reality and the, just the authenticity of the maker of the universe who's just come in and, and taken everything you've been struggling with for the last few years and he absolutely just blows it away and delivers you in such a miraculous way. And like you say, in just such a tender and an accepting way. It's like, you know, I know you couldn't do this. It's on me. I love you so much. Everything that I've done, I've done for you. And regardless of where you are, you know, and people often think that I can't come to God because I'm feeling like this dirty fish, um, you know, like we call it, the fisherman, when he catches the fish, you always have to clean the fish. The fish is always dirty. And that's what Jesus is. He's a fisherman, right? So when he catches you, he doesn't catch clean fish. He catches you, you're dirty. And it's his job to clean you off. It's not your job to make yourself clean so that, hey, I'm a beautiful fish. Come and catch me, you know. Jesus, he loves us as we are and accepts us as we are. And he draws us as we are. And, you know, don't ever think that you need to, you know, make your life right before you can come to the Lord. The Lord wants you just as you are. And he wants to help you to make your life right. But I'm fascinated with the fact that you were already going to church. It's not as if you were this person that was in the depths of the darkness out there. You looked like a Christian from the outside. But suddenly when your inside changed, you wanted to give it had a profound effect on the way you serve Jesus. Absolutely. I, I think that's something that, you know, we, I, I guess everybody has to get that revelation. Um, I was actually speaking about this the other day um, with, with my mom, actually. And, you know, we were saying that, you know, my dad was, was an ordained pastor and he taught me everything. You know, I gave my heart to Jesus when I was four, but it took me until I was 21 years old before I had an, a, my own revelation, you know, Paul experienced that on, on his journey, right? Um, in the in the New Testament, he was a Pharisee. Yeah, he was in that tradition. He was religious, but he needed a revelation of Jesus Christ. And and it was in that Damascus Road experience where where Jesus spoke to him personally. And and I believe that there's that moment, that burning bush experience, as Moses experienced it. That moment in every one of our lives where God becomes a reality, and we we just comprehend that there is this God of the universe and he is out there and he's chasing after us and pursuing us. And when we have that revelation, it's that then our lives truly change. Um, you, you know, and you can say all the right things. You can pretend that, that you are on the road that you want people to believe that you are, but until your heart has changed, it, it won't be real for you. And, and uh, I believe that that's it's a distinct moment in every believer's life that they will remember. I also enjoy how God doesn't um, only reveal who you are 
if you're a Christian, you know, the, the passion he puts in you, what he wants you to flourish at, whether you're Christian or not, that is there from youth. And at 10 years old, you were already in the Drakensberg Boys Choir. Just give me a little, you know, inkling of what life was like being part of that prestigious choir at this gorgeous place. Yeah, Janine, it was probably four years um, of my life that, you know, I enjoyed uh, I can't say the most um, because God has blessed me tremendously. Um, I, I, I really can say that I'm truly blessed. But it was a time that, that was, you know, carefree. You're in one of the most beautiful places in the country. I mean, to wake up on a, a early summer's morning, you know, kind of see this beautiful mountain, um, well, mountain range in front of you. Uh, you know, we attended, obviously, a lot of, there was a lot of singing. <laughs> um, we had two hours of choir rehearsals every day, um, and we worked hard. Um, you know, don't don't let anybody tell you that, that you know, it's just a bunch of kids that, you know, that can sing and, and they kind of just go and, and, and have fun. We worked really hard, um, and we worked hard to be, to be the world-renowned Drakensberg Boys Choir. Um, but, yeah, I got to tour the world. Um, you know, spent three years touring um, with them to various different countries. It really, really was a an amazing time and uh, a, a time that I always look back fondly on. What you were mentioning now about the discipline of the music is something that I think is, is something that must have helped you in Christianity as well, because there is something that's beautiful and joyous and fun when it comes to Christianity, but there is an element where the discipline helps you to go deeper and be better at what you're doing, even this walk with the Lord here on earth, because it's not easy. Is that something that you felt as a truth in your life? Absolutely. I mean, discipline from a, from a spiritual perspective is something that, that is often overlooked. Um, you know, because, you know, when I look at, when I look at my, my walk, there have been times where I've been close to the Lord and times I've been felt a little bit further away from him. Um, you know, times where, you know, I felt like really holy and devoted and times, you know, that I've maybe felt a disconnect and, and where things are falling apart a bit. And if I look at, at the pattern in that period of time, it's been around in that time that you set, a, set apart and you spend with the Lord. Um, it, it's that intimacy, the, the being close to God um, and, and spend, spending time and getting to know him. Um, you know, one of my, probably my favorite passage of scripture in the entire Bible um, is in Philippians 3 verse 8, where Paul talks about, you know, counting all things as, as lost that we might know him, knowing him intimately. Um, and, and that for me is, is where my life looks the best to me, if that makes sense. I don't, mm, you know, we're mm. all, um, our righteousness is always filthy rags before God, right? But when, when I look at my life and I look at the times where I've really felt like, you know, yes, things are going the way that I want them to be going spiritually and then and it's been times where I've been really close to God, spending time in his presence. And the more I spend time in his presence, the more I become like him. If you notice, like with friends, if you are hanging out with, uh, you know, particular friends or whatever the case, you start picking up their mannerisms and start picking up the things that, that they do. It's a natural thing with, with humanity. Hmm. And uh, the more time we spend with God, the more we pick up on his mannerisms. The more things that are important to him become important to us and the more he rubs off on us. Um, and, and I always think about it like if, it, if you go into like a perfume shop and, and there's like a lot of, you know, fragrances and perfumes, you walk out of there smelling like a perfume shop. If you go into the presence of God, 
where that incense is is there before his throne, you walk out smelling like the presence of God. Mm. And and it's that that people can sense in you. And, and that's when people notice, hey, there's something different about that person. Um, you know, that they're not the same as, as, you know, the normal person walking around. I see that you're involved with the youth ministry at Little Falls as well, even part of the band and all of that. And I love the fact that you're passionate about the Lord, passionate about the word. Those are the kind of people we want leading our young people into the presence of the Lord. But I'm thinking to myself, a lot of youth ministry in the country has got this whole slogan about following Christ is fun. <laughs> it's, it's, and, and a lot of what we do with young people so many times on those Fridays when we have their full attention is to entertain them in a big way. But you've also got the other side of it where you, you see that young people want something authentic, you know, even something to mm. die for, something that will give their life the meaning and just more entertainment just doesn't cut it when it comes to the young people. Is that something that you, that you've recognized there? There's this even conflict when it comes to ministering to young people to, to sort of find them there and give them something that's not just more fluff. Absolutely. I can't stress enough how much young people of today need authenticity. And uh, if anybody's involved in youth ministry and, and you think that just, you know, putting on a show on a Friday night is going to cut it to your point, absolutely not. Um, and, and we often encourage one another to be real and authentic. When you're hurting, show your hurt. When you are, um, you know, going through a tough time, show that. And, and share that um, because it's in those shared experiences that people learn and people grow. And absolutely, you know, you've, it is, like you say, a little bit of a, I wouldn't say a contradiction or a conflict, but you've got to do things that, that will, um, I don't want to say entertain, but, but have fun. When we're young, we like to have fun. I think we all like to have fun. Mm. And, and I believe that God likes to have and enjoys what we, what we enjoy with us. Um, but there's absolutely that, that, those moments that you have to be real and you have to be intimate. And that's something that, you know, from, from the band and the worship team's perspective, you know, we, we always are striving just that people have an intimate encounter with Jesus, you know, because nothing that we do, no matter how good we sound, no matter if, if we sing in tune, if we don't sing in tune, if the instruments are sounding amazing or not, it's what happens personally and individually with the young people that are there and whether they are having an intimate encounter with Jesus or not. You know, we had a time of just free worship on, on this last Friday evening where, you know, we sang our, our normal songs. We had the message that was being delivered that evening. And then afterwards we just started playing and uh, you know, nothing much came out. There was a couple of lines that we felt led to sing in the spirit or whatever the case may be, but just the intimacy that and, and the encounter that people had with Jesus. God's going to show up no matter what, right? Because these people are hungry. <laughs> and he said in his word that a good father is not going to give bread, uh, or sorry, give a, a stone if you ask for bread or give a serpent if you ask for fish, right? When his children are hungry, he's going to show up. When his children are coming to seek him, they're going to be found by him. His word says, seek me and you will find me if you search for me with all of your hearts. So no matter what happens on the platform, no matter what happens, you know, among the leadership, even or what people have prepared, if his people have come hungry and expecting for him, he's going to show up. And that's what we try to to almost convey, you know, in, in, in the ministries. 
is leading people to that intimate encounter with Jesus, that intimate relationship with God. Young people are the future of the church. They're the future of this country. And uh, we need to raise up a generation that is going to, to advance the kingdom of God, that is going to push back the darkness because it is dark at the moment. Um, the world is, is in such a state and we need to be training up young people that are going to be able to take the baton to be able um, to fight against the darkness and to, to be the light that Jesus said we must be. Put it up on the mountain that all the world may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That is what, what we need to be teaching our young people to be. Yeah, you know what? I have found that so many times when you go to the older lot, you know, the uh, normal church, that many of the <laughs> pastors aren't willing to, to give the hard bits of Christianity, the dying to yourself bits, the no, you can't have your mm. own will, God's will be done. Um, where God knows what he does and our human wisdom gets us nowhere. Having a heart for the mm. lost, the difficult part of being a Christian. And it's like, we, we focus on like the presence of the Lord and the mushy feeling and all of that kind of stuff, but the hard bits. And yet to me, it feels like young people these days, they don't just want the fluff. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not talking about mm. non-biblical stuff. It's like we choose what we think our audience is willing to, to handle. It's like we feel we have to sell the mm. gospel and we have to sugarcoat it to yeah. sound nice, but the hard bits we ignore and we avoid. But it feels like if, if we're talking to people who are willing, willing, if they want to be serious about this God, that includes all of God. And I'm wondering, are your young people at a place where they want to hear the hard stuff too? Or do you still have to be seeker friendly, you know, keep it safe with the young people there? Yeah, look, I, w- I would say we're definitely um, moving to a place where, where we want to start giving meat instead of milk. Mm. Um, you know, Paul talks about that so, uh, in uh, in one of the epistles. I, I can't recall exactly where it is right now, but but he says, you know, I've given you milk, and and we have to start giving meat. And to your point, you know, we have to we have to teach those principles. And I believe that from our perspective, um, the young people that that come to us, I think there's an element. Everybody's in a different place. If that makes sense, so there's almost always going to be, and and the Holy Spirit knows that, right? So. It's not even us that has to prepare that or, or we don't have to be specific about that. God will speak to people at the levels that they're at. Um, but I definitely, we, we have definitely, um, you know, delivered almost the deeper messages and we've, we've got such great response. Um, you know, our youth pastor, Rudolf, he will, you know, be speaking about a message and really going into some deep principles and, and he'd be like, okay, is this okay? Do you want me to stop? Do you want me to carry on? Should we carry on next week or whatever? And the response is always unanimous that, you know, they want, they want to continue. And, and that's the thing because that's authentic. If you look at the hard things of Christianity, that is the core of Christianity. You can't move into a deeper relationship with God without systematically denying self, taking up the cross, following Jesus, putting death to the flesh, you know, being buried with him. And then, you know, I love that, that bit in Romans 6 where it says, you know, we've been buried with him, but also if we're buried in him, we're resurrected in him. And we have the resurrection in us as a result of us identifying with his death. So we have to teach those things because the gospel is not complete if we leave those those out. And and we've had very, very good response when, when we've started, um, you know, 
teaching the meat stuff. And who doesn't like a piece of steak over a glass of milk, right? <laughs> yeah, those steaks, those steaks. Let's get your music. Thank you for choosing the cross. Oh, Mr. Edwards got this one lyric where she describes Jesus on the cross and she says, arms open wide, heart exposed. Mm. The thing. I love that song. Yeah. Oh, man. So when you're talking about him choosing the cross, the, the lyric of these songs, if we now listen to the song, was it, what is it that you want us to hear? Yeah, a lot of my songwriting inspiration comes from moments with Jesus, right? And I was preparing just to spend time with the Lord one morning and uh, making a cup of coffee. And I just kind of reflected on how he must have felt living in those days, experiencing the rejection and the jeers and, you know, being beaten and through all of that. And what was incredible to me about Jesus' story is that he knew that all of this was going to come. And that's kind of, you know, you knew it would come and you knew it would hurt. That's the thing. He understood the pain. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was in agony. And he said to the Lord, let this be taken from me. If it is possible, let this cup be taken from me. And it's actually in that moment that the salvation of mankind came because Jesus made a choice. He was human, exactly like us. He felt exactly what we feel. And he chose in that moment to carry the cross. He chose to, and he chose the cross so that, that we could be free. You know, and, and then kind of extending that into, into where we are today, there are still so many people that actively reject Jesus because they don't know him. They're actively people that, that despise him and that you know, continue to jeer at him. And yet he still loves us. You know, and I always think of the story of the prodigal son, and I always like to call it the prodigal father because I think it was God that was lavish in his love toward the son. And Jesus is the prodigal, and, and God the father is the prodigal father waiting for us and inviting us all back home in spite of everything that humanity and mankind is doing. He still loves us, and he is still inviting us all back home, and he wants to wash us in his blood. And he wants to bring us, you know, into a place of fellowship and community with him. And that, that is the essence of the song. 